Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get started, let's say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we study and learn and glean from his words. And it is a privilege to be able to know and learn and to glean all that we can so that we can prepare for the future. With that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for life and breath and health. And we thank you so much for all that you do for us. Lord, we cannot count the many blessings that you give to us for they are innumerable and some we don't even realize until after the fact we won't realize until heavens a lot of the things that you have done for us the countless times you have saved us or helped us out of a situation or temptation or sin lord we ask that you continue to help us to overcome and to fight against the adversary for he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour help us as we prepare for your soon coming lord the world is a crazy place right now and we need need you now more than ever. Help us to get rid of all sin that so easily besets us and help us to sacrifice it all for you. Lord, we ask and thank you for being there for us. And we ask that you continue to be with us and dwell in us. And we ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. All right. So today I wanted to read this chapter from The Cross and Its Shadow by Stephen Haskell. It is an amazing book and I would highly encourage you all to read it for yourselves. You can learn so much from this book, but this is the chapter entitled The Jubilee, and it is really amazing, and we'll talk as we go along, and I hope you find it as fascinating as I do. So with that, let's jump in. It goes like this. The Jubilee, the climax of a series of sabbatical institutions. The weekly Sabbath was the first religious institution given to man. The seventh day of the week was hallowed and set apart to be kept as the rest day of Jehovah. After the children of Israel entered the promised land, God commanded that every seventh year should be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. The people were not allowed to sow their fields nor prune their vineyards during the seventh year. Neither could they gather into their storehouses that which grew of its own accord. The owner of the land could take all he wished for immediate use, but his servants and the strangers and even the beast had equal rights with the owner in enjoying the fruits of his fields during the sabbatical year. The seventh month of the sacred year, the month Tizri, was called by some writers the sabbatical month. As more of the annual Sabbaths and feasts came in that month than in any other month in the year. The first day of this month was the feast of blowing of trumpets. The day of atonement came on the tenth day, and the feast of tabernacles began on the fifteenth day. And in every fiftieth year, the tenth day of Tisri ushered in the jubilee. The keeping of the weekly Sabbath was a token that the people belonged to God, and in allowing their land to rest during the seventh year Sabbath, they acknowledged that not only they themselves, but their land, their time, and all that they possessed belonged to God. The Lord took special delight in the seventh year Sabbath, and the disregard of his command to keep it was an offense in his sight. The children of Israel were carried into Babylonian captivity because they had not allowed the land to enjoy her Sabbath. In their love of greed and gain, they had worked the land every year, and God took them away and let the land lie desolate, that it might keep the Sabbath during the 70 years. If God's command had always been obeyed, and the land had had its rest every seventh year, the earth would not have waxed old like a garment, but would have remained productive. And it's sad to say that we do the same thing today. We just work the land and work the land and work the land, and we don't 
don't allow it, it's rest. We should still be doing this. We should allow time for the land to rest and to get back some of its nutrients. And we need to also share our produce with other people. We can't just keep it for ourselves. That's why we should grow more than we are able to eat so that we are able to share with others, those who are poorer than us, those who have need of it. And it's an opportunity for us to rely on the Lord as well during that seventh year. Or you can also have two different plots of land so that way you can grow in another area and allow the original plot to rest one year. That way you're not overtaxing the ground. And this is why the world is in its condition that it is today because people don't allow the world to rest. And that is part of the reason why we are going to have a thousand years where this world is not going to be doing anything and where Satan is going to be trapped with his evil angels by themselves. The land will be allowed to settle and rest after all of the 6,000 years of abuse. He continues with this. God's commands will all be honored and as the land lay desolate 70 years, keeping the Sabbath during the Babylonian captivity to atone for the disobedience of ancient Israel, so after the second coming of Christ, the land will lie desolate 1,000 years, keeping Sabbath to atone for the many Sabbaths that have been disregarded since that time. This is exactly what I just said. The weekly Sabbath was a stepping stone leading up to the other sabbatic institutions. And besides being a memorial of creation, it pointed forward to the final rest of the Jubilee. When the people of God, for the sake of worldly interests, disregarded it, they placed themselves where they could not appreciate God's original design in giving them the Sabbath of rest. The Jubilee was the 50th year following seven weeks of years and would occur once at least in the lifetime of every individual who lived out his natural life. The Day of Atonement was the most solemn of all the feasts and the Jubilee the most joyful. At the close of the Day of Atonement, when the sins of Israel had all been forgiven and borne by the scapegoat into the wilderness, then the people who realized what God had done for them were prepared to forgive the debts of their fellow men, to release them from servitude, and to restore all to their own land as willingly as they expected God to give them their eternal inheritance in the antitypical jubilee. If only this was going on still today, that would be amazing where you would be debt free, you would get your land back, you were released from any and all things that you owed, and you would not have to worry about it anymore. That would be so wonderful. He continues, at the close of the Day of Atonement on the 10th day of the seventh month in the sabbatical year, which closed the last of the seven weeks of years, or 49 years, the trumpets were blown throughout all the land announcing the Jubilee. Jewish tradition states that every Israelite was supplied with a trumpet of some kind at this time. And when the hour arrived which closed the Day of Atonement, everyone blew nine blasts with his trumpet. God had said the trumpets were to sound throughout all the land. How like the final trumpet of the Lord was the blast of the Jubilee trumpets in ancient Israel. The toiling slave arose and threw off his shackles to the avisherous and covetous man who had oppressed the hireling and the widow to gain his possessions. It came as a death knell to all his hopes. Every person in bondage was freed and all returned to their own land. That is an amazing thing and it's kind of funny that this covetous man had to deal with it and it serves him right because he was only after himself and it's amazing that the Lord put this in place so that people would have an opportunity to go back to their lands to stop being in slavery to others to become debt free so that 
that they didn't have to worry about all of this and they could return to a life where they had their own land to take care of and they had to till their own ground and they didn't have to belong to another person anymore. It's a wonderful, beautiful thought. There is no account of any religious services or offerings being required during the Jubilee. Different from the ordinary services of other years, it was a time when all rich and poor, high and low, shared alike of that which grew of itself in the fields and vineyards. The Jubilee followed the seventh year Sabbath, thus bringing two Sabbath years in succession. But God made ample provision for his people by commanding his blessings upon the 48th year, when the earth yielded enough to keep the people for three years. There is no mention in the Bible of the Jubilees ever being observed, and for this reason some writers think it may not have been kept, but all the other Mosaic festivals were observed, and it would be strange if one that is so organically connected with the other feasts and is really the climax of all other festivals should have been omitted. The Jubilee must have been observed, for the law of the inalienable of landed property, which was based upon the Jubilee, existed among the Jews. Josephus speaks of it as being permanently observed. Instances are recorded where the work of the Jubilee year was performed by the Israelites. Nehemiah and his great reformatory work required the Jews to give freedom to their servants and to restore the lands and vineyards to the original owners. On the eve of the Babylonian captivity, Zedekiah proclaimed liberty to everyone. He evidently designed to celebrate the Jubilee. If he had done so, it would have given him liberty, but he was too vacillating to carry out the requirements. The Lord sent a message saying that he had done right in proclaiming liberty, every man to his neighbor, but that in failing to grant it, he had polluted the name of the Lord. All the commercial interests of the ancient Israelite taught the gospel. While he was allowed to dwell in the promised land and enjoy its privileges, yet he was only the steward, not the owner. The divine decree was, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Notwithstanding the fact that the Lord owns the world, yet he counts himself a stranger and sojourner with his people upon the earth, until the antitypical jubilee, when Satan, the pre-prince of this world, will meet his doom. If a man became involved and was obliged to sell his home, it was sold with the understanding that it should return to its original owner when the jubilee trumpets were blown in the land. If the unfortunate man had one near of kin able to redeem his land, the purchaser could not hold it even until the jubilee. Now, I also wanted to point out the fact that it's talking about the Sabbath. This is the different type of Sabbath than the sacred holy day Sabbath. Sabbath was also referred to like festivals and special feast days and it was different from the holy sacred Sabbath where you went apart and rest. So it was kind of like a holiday for them. A day of feasting and a day of jubilee and a day of joy and this was what was happening and I just wanted to make a note of that. So there was different types of Sabbath talked about in the Old Testament but those Sabbath weren't holy days necessarily. They were just days set apart that meant something special but it wasn't the same as the Sabbath day that they observed because God sanctioned it and set it apart. It was for every single week. These Sabbaths were once every 50 years in the case of the Jubilee and once every seven years when you let the land rest and there was other Sabbaths too that Haskell gets into and also you probably have read about it. So I just wanted to make a note of that. He continues, a poor widow has misfortune after misfortune until her wealthy neighbor who has long coveted her land has gained possession and she in sorrow is obliged to leave the home of her childhood and lay 
labor for a mere pittance. That fails to supply the needs of her household. The wealthy neighbor continues to advance money until finally she herself is sold to him as a servant. Her case seems hopeless, but in a far country she has an elder brother. He hears of her misfortune and comes to the rescue. Her brother reckons with the man who has purchased the woman and pays the redemption money and she is free. Then the brother begins to reckon what is due on the land, but the man objects, for the same spirit rules him that disputed with Michael, the archangel, when he came from a far country to redeem the body of Moses from the prison house of the grave. And he says, no, I will not release the land. It joins my farm. I will not part with it. What right have you to interfere? Then the brother produces evidence of his kingship, that he is one that hath right to redeem. He purchases the redemption money, and the home is redeemed to the rightful owner. A stranger might have wished to help the poor widow, but his money could never have released her. The price must be paid by one that hath right to redeem one near of kin. How forcefully was the power of Christ thus taught in the everyday commercial life of the Israelite? An angel could not redeem mankind, nor the world. His life would have been powerless, for he was not nigh of kin unto humanity. Christ left the heavenly courts, partook of flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took the seed of Abraham. He became the firstborn among many brethren, the one nigh of kin, that he might have right to redeem every son and daughter of Adam. And come down through the ages comes the cheering assurance that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money, even with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So here again we are told that Christ was the only one who could have taken our case and to save us from our sins because he was not an angel, he was not created, he was and is God and he came down and became flesh to dwell among us and to become the firstborn among brethren so that we could be saved and could get rid of the shackles that the devil put upon us and that we could escape death and we could have eternal life. And that is so awesome and so amazing that it requires us to think about every single day that these are the kinds of thoughts that we should be contemplating and studying and looking forward to learning more about how much he loves us. We will be learning forever throughout eternity the depths of the love that God has for us. And it's a beautiful study for sure. He continues, Thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money, even with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Have you yielded to temptation until you are bound in abject slavery to Satan? Remember you have an elder brother who is able and willing to redeem you from the slavery of sin and make you a free man in Christ Jesus. In order to be free, you must acknowledge him as one nigh of kin to you. If the poor widow had disowned her brother when he came to redeem her from servitude, he would have been powerless to help her. Satan may bind the soul until he thinks it is his forever, but when the soul cries out for help and claims Christ as the one near of kin, one who has power to redeem, and Christ presents the redemption price, his precious blood, Satan is powerless to hold the soul. That is amazing and so powerful.
powerful. Satan is powerless to hold the soul when we claim Christ as our own. And we need to be claiming that every single day. He continues, The study of the Levitical law in regard to land and servants gives new beauty to the name Redeemer. Job knew the power of the one who had right to redeem. Hear him in confidence say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. His faith grasps the power that not only redeemed from sin, but will bring forth the patriarch's body even after the worms have consumed it. While at any time one could be given freedom and reinstated in his former home by one nigh of kin who had the right to redeem, yet the jubilee was looked forward to as the great day of release for all Israel. It was then that every wrong was righted and every Israelite reinstated in his own possession. If one sold a dwelling house in a walled city during the first year after the sale, it might be redeemed. But if not redeemed the first year, it remained in the hand of the purchaser. It did not revert to its original owner in the Jubilee, for houses were the work of men and had no part in the Jubilee, which released only the land and person. The cities of the Levites were under different regulations. They were only the walled cities that had a part in the Jubilee. If a man purchased a house of a Levite, the house that was sold and the city of his possession went out free in the year of Jubilee. The priests were a type of Christ. Our great antitypical priests had prepared a walled city for his people, and in the antitypical Jubilee, they will receive the city. The regulations in regard to the cities of the Levites were a constant reminder of the new Jerusalem to be given to God's people in the great final Jubilee. All of these things were type meaning antitype, and for us to look and focus and to see what was to come, to keep our minds focused on Jesus soon coming. And that is why he gave us all of these things. I remember years ago when I would read all of these things in the Old Testament and I would be like, okay, this is kind of boring because it's just talking about all of these things that I don't understand. But then when I read this book, it put it in such beautiful language and such a way that I could understand and finally grasp the fact of how important these things were and how they point us to what is to come. When you really study these things out and search them out and when we read these things, it realize just how significant it is and how amazing and powerful and beautiful it is. And all of these feasts and these types and these furniture and all of it had a purpose to point us to what is to come and what has already been and what is yet to take place. And that is so amazing to me to think about all of this stuff. And when I finally understood it, it was like a whole new world opened up to me and I could finally explain it to other people too who didn't really understand why these things were written about and what they all meant. We are the only faith that is able to explain the sanctuary message and we need to share it with others because it is a beautiful message and once people actually understand what all of these things were in the Old Testament, they will view it in a whole other light and they'll be excited to read about it. And I'm excited to read about it too now because I finally get everything with the feasts and with the sanctuary and with all of these things that at one time I didn't understand. But now when I read these things, it put it in a whole new light. And that's the wonderful thing about these writings, that you view it in a whole new light. And there is still so much to learn from the Bible. We will be learning throughout eternity, as I have said before, and will say again numerous times. He continues, God designed that his people should remember him in all their business transactions, in every detail of life. The value of property depended upon the length of time intervening between the date of purchase and the jubilee. In the type, the jubilee was ushered in at the close of the Day of Atonement.
atonement. In like manner, we understand that the antitypical jubilee will follow the antitypical day of atonement. The Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. Then the pious slave will rise and shake off the chains that bind him. The trumpet of the Lord's jubilee will resound through the length and breadth of the land. Saints sleeping in Satan's prison house, the grave, will hear the glad sound, and he that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners, did not let his prisoners loose homeward, will be powerless to hold his prey. For our Redeemer has said, The prey of the terrible shall be delivered, yea, delivered forever from the power of sin and Satan. God's original plan was that man should possess the earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Adam was given dominion over the earth and everything upon it, but God's plans were thwarted and Satan became prince of this world because Adam and Eve fell to temptation. And we all know how that story went. In the antitypical jubilee, the redeemed of the Lord will be reinstated in the original home of man. The earth restored to its primeval beauty will be given to the children of men for their eternal home. It will be even better than what it once was before sin ever entered the earth. And that is going to be amazing to see. I can't wait to see creation take place again because that is going to be some awesome sights to see. The seventh day weekly Sabbaths, which the Lord sanctified and gave to mankind before the curse of sin rested upon the earth, will then be kept according to God's original design. And throughout eternity, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before the Lord. The Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord, and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That is such a beautiful thing to think about. We will not only get everything restored to better than what it was, but we will get to spend every single Sabbath with the Lord himself, and we shall all come together and worship together. And that is going to be so fun and so awe-worthy and so just, there aren't enough words in the dictionary to describe how wonderful it will be and how much we will learn and how much we will glean and how much we will gather from spending time together and fellowshipping and talking of the wonderful things of the Lord and also to sit and hear from Jesus himself and to glean from what he would have us, things that we might have missed in the Bible, things that we don't even know or might not have even been in the Bible. I, I don't even know, but we won't know until we get there. And that's going to be the wonderful thing about it. And th this is something we can look forward to because this is coming upon us sooner than we realize. Signs are being fulfilled. Things are happening that have never happened before on this earth. The things that have already happened, they're happening way more often than they used to. And also in bigger proportions than they used to. And we must get ready because the Day of Atonement is coming. And once that happens, we won't be able to change our ways anymore. We won't be able to continue in sin. We must get rid of all sin in our lives if we want to be in heaven with the Lord. And not because we fear the consequences, but because we love the Lord and we want to be with him forever. When we really truly love the Lord, then we really will want to get rid of sin in our lives. And we can with his help. We must go to him and pray to him and flee from temptation and flee from sin because that is the only way we will be able to be saved. We must have the love of God in our hearts and we must be willing to obey 
obey what he requires of us. We don't always have to understand the things that he requires of us, but we can accept it by faith and also do it knowing that he knows what he's talking about. And there's a reason why he said what he said to protect us, to help us to live a good life, to help us to live a righteous life and to be free from the bondage of sin. Many people think it's a drudgery of what you can and can't do. And it's just a list of rules you have to follow. And I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to follow these rules. Well, they're there for a reason. Just like we tell our children and those around us that you don't get near to something that will hurt you because you know the consequences of the actions. You know it's going to hurt. You know the pain that it will cause. Well, the pain of sin is eternal death. And we must decide once and for all whether we want to do what we want to do regardless of the consequences or if we are willing to get free from the bondage of evilness, free from the bondage of Satan, and accept the Redeemer for he is one like unto us. He is our own and he came down to this world to save us from our sins. We just have to be willing to work with him and to give up all for him like he gave up all for us. And that is still an amazing thing to think about. We are told we should spend a thoughtful hour a day contemplating these things. And this is what the sanctuary helps point us to. All of the things that Christ did for us and all of the things that he planned for the Israelites to look forward to and how type met anti-type and how something as simple as this feast, which setting everybody free for every 50 years and you get your land back and you are no longer a slave. And all of these things points to how we will be free in heaven and how we will not have to worry about being in bondage to sin and how we will be given the world back in a new and better way and how we will be forever with our Redeemer. We take these lessons and we glean them and we learn from them and we apply them to our lives and we get an opportunity to realize how much he put into these thoughts for us, for our good, for our benefit, so that we can know how much he truly loves us and how he thought of every little detail in order for us to be saved. And that is something truly wonderful to think about. Now, here are some types meeting anti-types and you can look them up for yourself. So the type is that Jubilee gave liberty to everyone and that's in Leviticus 25.10. The anti-type is the living and the dead will be given freedom. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. Here's the type. The blast of the trumpet announced the Jubilee. Leviticus 25.9. And the antitype is the blast of the trumpet of the Lord gives freedom to all. 1 Corinthians 15.51-53. Type. The Jubilee began on the Day of Atonement, the type of the judgment. Leviticus 25.9. The antitype is immediately after the decree is issued which closes the judgment, Christ comes. Revelation 22.11-12. Antitype. In the year of the Jubilee, every man returned to his own possessions. Leviticus 25.13. Antitype. The ransom of the Lord will enjoy the redeemed earth forever. Isaiah 35, 1-10. Type. The Lord always owned the land. Man was only a steward. Leviticus 25, 23. The antitype. The Lord owns all the earth. He has never relinquished his title to the land. Psalms 24, 1 and 1 Corinthians 10, 26 and 28. Antitype. Only one nigh of kin had the right to redeem. And you can read that in Leviticus 25, 48 and 49 and in Ruth 2:20. Antitype. Jesus was born of the seed of Abraham that he might be nigh of kin. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. Type. The persons of those sold in bondage were redeemed and set free. Leviticus 25, 47 through 51. Antitype. He that is nigh of kin says, I will ransom them for 
from the power of the grave romans eight twenty three and hosea thirteen fourteen type the land could be redeemed by one knife kin leviticus twenty five twenty five through twenty eight antitype christ has purchased the possession of his people ephesians one fourteen type dwelling houses in walled cities did not revert to their original owners in the jubilee leviticus twenty five twenty nine and thirty antitype all earthly cities will be destroyed at christ's second coming revelation sixteen nineteen and jeremiah four twenty six type dwelling houses in the cities of the levites could be redeemed they all reverted to their original owners in the jubilee the priests were a type of christ leviticus twenty five thirty two and thirty three antitype christ the antitypical priest has a city which will be given to his people in the antitypical jubilee hebrews eleven ten and verse sixteen and revelation twenty one one through twenty seven type the weekly sabbath was a stepping stone toward the jubilee genesis two two and three and the antitype the sabbath will be observed on the new earth forever isaiah 66 22 and 23 so when you have time look up all of those types and antitypes and it's such a beautiful study and read this chapter again for yourself because i'm sure you'll glean more from it when you read it yourself and you can really understand it this book has such an amazing way of explaining the sanctuary message and how type met antitype and it is a powerful study and i highly encourage you to read it all for yourself in your spare time and in your devotional time or whenever you want it is truly an amazing thing and i hope that you were blessed by it and that you go and share it now with others that you have heard and hopefully understand it a bit more what the jubilee meant and how it affects us and how we are to look forward to our own jubilee soon to come now i wanted to sing this song and i thought it would fit really well with what we were talking about it's called there is a happy land there is a happy land far far away where saints in glory stand bright bright as day oh how they sweetly sing worthy is our savior king loud let his praises ring praise praise for him come to this happy land come come away why will you doubting stand why still delay oh we shall happy be when from sin and sorrow free lord we shall live with thee bless bless pray bright in that happy land beams every eye kept by a father's hand love cannot die oh then to glory run be a crown and kingdom won and bright above the sun rain rain pray there is a happy land far far away where saints in glory stand bright bright as day oh how they sweetly sing worthy is our savior king loud let his praises ring praise 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 and we need to sing those praises too and let the lord know how much we appreciate everything he's done and everything he will do and one day we will be with him if we love him and obey him and we do all of the things that he has given us to do it might seem like a lot but all we can really do is take one day at a time and trust in the lord that day and tomorrow will worry about itself we are blessed and we are privileged to know the truth and we need to share that 
that truth that light with the world now remember what it says in matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven so with all of this being said let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the lord